In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And they walked in the midst of the flames, praising God and blessing the Lord. My dear flock, I greet you on this Easter morning from the Priory House Chapel dedicated to St. Michael. A tiny chapel which most of you have never seen. You might say that I am making this as my station this morning before proceeding to the celebration of Solemn Mass for Easter in our dear Church of St. Mary's Oratory. The words that I quoted to you at the beginning of the sermon come from the third chapter of Daniel. This third chapter is very well known to all those who recite the Divine Office. Its most celebrated passage is the part known because of its the word that begins it in the Holy Latin version, the Benedicite. It is a canticle which is sung, the office of lauds on Sundays and feasts. It is the words of the three men thrown into the fiery furnace, who, as we are told, walked in the midst of the flames, praising God and blessing the Lord. Another part of this canticle is sung on Ember Saturdays, the Saturdays on which, in the most ancient times, priests and all the lower orders were ordained. On Holy Saturday, this third chapter of Daniel is the last of the twelve prophecies, which are read before the blessing of the baptismal font. And whereas we usually hear the canticle on those other occasions, on Holy Saturday we hear as a prophecy the opening words of the third chapter of Daniel, explaining why it is these three men were singing this canticle. It is because they refused to adore the golden statue erected by the king Nebuchadnezzar, and for which cause he has them bound and cast into the furnace which he had heated seven times hotter than usual because of his rage against them for refusing to adore his idol. All of the twelve prophecies speak especially to catechumens of the grace that they are about to receive in baptism. And yet, while so many of the other prophecies evoke images of water, this final prophecy, the one which catechumens would hear immediately before making their profession of faith and being baptized, speaks not of water, but of fire. In the first three centuries of the church, those who were baptized or who received holy orders were reminded on the day of their baptism or ordination that they would soon be martyred. They would soon be confronted with furious powers of their time and would have to make a courageous response, as did 
three men in the time of Daniel. Behold, our God whom we worship is able to save us from the furnace of burning fire and to deliver us out of thy hands, O king. And even if he will not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not worship thy gods, nor adore the golden statue which thou hast set up. Upon making this courageous response to that wicked king, we are told immediately then these men were bound and cast into the furnace of burning fire with their coats, their caps, their shoes, and their garments. And they walked in the midst of the flames, praising God and blessing the Lord. When we have the grace to celebrate this solemn liturgy of Holy Saturday, to begin our Easter joys, we are reminded that there has never been anything safe about being a Christian. Did not our Lord himself tell us, the day is coming when anyone who kills you will think that he is doing a service to God. How much easier this is if the world has made a God out of a passing earthly good, our false God du jour being safety. At this moment we are told very solemnly from the secular pulpits that life is never going back to the way it was before. The top public health authorities tell us we shall have to abolish the handshake. Well, whatever. I guess we can go back to bowing or something. But that's not the point. Do we Catholics really want things to go back to the way they were before? If the new ideology of social distancing means we shall never again have people crammed into satanic concerts and other lewd performances, I will not be the first to shed a tear unless one of joy. Let us not forget that the liturgy we celebrate during Holy Week, the one which we have had to live stream to all of you, was forged in the earliest years of the Church, in a time when she was as yet in the catacombs. I must tell you, my children, that I do not believe that the end of the world is to come as yet. I believe in the promise of Our Lady of Fatima that after these dark times we shall be granted a period of peace. What peace could that be? Not the peace that the world can give. No, only the peace of Christ. It is now finally on Easter Sunday that after having suspended the sign of peace which we have in the solemn liturgy, we recover it now and once more the sacred ministers exchange this sign of peace which comes not from men but only from the altar of Christ, on which the sovereign sacrifice was made not for the safety, but for the salvation of the world. What more urgent time is there than this, 
to render public worship to him who is able to raise up our disease-ridden bodies. Our commonwealth is in heaven, says St. Paul, from whence we await a Savior who will change our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. By the power which enables him even to subject all things to himself. If now you are risen with Christ, says the Apostle, seek only the things that are above, and not be any more mindful of the things of earth. In this world we shall only have tribulations, but our Lord tells us, have confidence. I have overcome the world. What is the victory that overcomes this world if not our faith? At this time, when we are called more than ever to make a very courageous act of faith, let us not doubt that the church shall emerge victorious from this time of darkness. Things will not go back ever to the way they were before. No, Christ shall bring us out of this time of obscurity, this time of terrible discouragement. We shall recover all of our holy churches and the sacred liturgy, the liturgy of all ages, shall be celebrated solemnly throughout the world. Even if we have times of terrible persecution to come, that will not impede us from giving due worship to God in the way He has ordained, just as we did in the first three centuries of the Church, when the persecutions were the most ferocious. Let us place then all of our intentions before our Blessed Lady, the first to lead us in rejoicing. This is why we sing that beautiful hymn, the Regina Chaley, a hymn which, according to tradition, came from a time of plague in the time of St. Gregory the Great, in which the people then sang in thanksgiving. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia, for he whom thou didst merit to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia, pray for us to God, alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.